0: Hello, I'm Rob, and welcome to this week's edition of the Black Country Talking News for the 14th of December 2022.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Black Country Talking News, brought to you by the sight loss charity Beacons. Org forward slash talking news as a podcast via services such as Apple or Spotify or as a free CD. Simply contact Beacon Centre on 01902 880 111. We hope you enjoy this week's edition.
0: Reading this week, we have myself Rob, Christine, Angela, Ian, Helen, Mina, Pete, Simon. And of course, not forgetting, Flashback Roger. In this week's edition, we have some local news of the Black Country. An update from Beacon. Information about the benefits of video magnifiers. The quiz with Mina. News from West Bromwich Albion and Wolves. A festive Did You Know section for Flashback Roger. The week's weather ahead. And to round us off, an article from nature correspondent Rupert Evershed detailing some interesting observations about our lesser known winter birds. Local news to start, however, and this is with Christine, Ian, myself, Rob. But first, it's Angela.
2: Police are treating the massive fire involving a number of factory units in Wolverhampton as arson, launching an investigation into the devastating blaze. Fire crews were called out to Lower Horsley Fields at around 9pm last Monday, which led to a number of roads being closed and railway lines being shut as firefighters tackled the flames. A string of active businesses were engulfed in the blaze, with owners speaking of the disruption it has caused to their livelihoods in the run-up to Christmas. The fire was finally extinguished on Thursday after days of round-the-clock work by crews from across the West Midlands. At its height, 28 fire engines and more than 100 firefighters were on the scene. Fire investigators initially looked into the cause and said they believe the fire was started deliberately. West Midlands Police has now confirmed it has launched an investigation and anyone with information is urged to come forward. A spokesman said, we are treating the fire as arson. Anyone with any information is urged to contact a live chat via our website, quoting crime reference number 20 forward slash 101. 4469 forward/22 As the investigation into the cause of the fire continues, the smouldering site uncovered some interesting history of the fire-hit buildings, as Rob now
0: reveals. It's been almost 110 years since the building engulfed in flames last Monday was a beating heart of Wolverhampton's automotive industry. The Briton Motor Company, which built cars in the early 1900s, started off in Stewart Street before moving to the 6-acre site at Lower Warsaw Street and Lower Horsley Fields. The move happened in 1913, with the 6-acre site having been previously occupied by the Shrubbery Ironworks and led to the production being increased at the city centre location. The company was formed back in 1909 after the Star Engineering Company took over the Star Cycle Company, with Britain cars being produced by the firm which was run by Edward Lissell Jr. Britain continued to work out of the Stuart Street using the same workforce as they did before, with the first model being produced being the 7 horsepower Little Britain in 1909, which sold for 175 guineas, with the models ranging from 10 to 16 horsepower moving forward, before they moved in 1913. Seven years later, in 1920, they began to face some difficulty as other motoring firms began to adopt mass production techniques allowing them to produce and sell cars at a cost they could not match. In December 1920, it is understood that Midland Bank took £50,000 worth of Britain stock as repayment of debts owed to them whilst production slowed. The works were sold to fellow Wolverhampton company AJS in October 1923. The Britain Motor Company name, however, was carried on by a Charles A. Waite who moved the machine shop and components to a new site at Chillington Fields, and took on a number of the company's old workforce. Car production continued on this site until 1929, when production costs became too great, with around 600 cars having been made in total. The Britain Motor Company continued, becoming Tractor Spares Limited in 1940. Despite the ferocious flames engulfing the factory site, a blue plaque detailing the history of the fire-damaged site survived unscathed, still showcasing in the smouldering scenes that remained
1: fire chiefs in the region are urging people not to engage in a social media trend causing emergency services to attend hoax incidents over the last few days videos of fake explosions have been posted on video platforms as part of a new way to prank friends and family The videos are created using special effects on a mobile phone and are causing members of the public to call emergency services as they fear for the safety of their loved ones. The trend has seen people film various appliances around their homes, such as kettles, microwaves and ovens, to create the effect of a sudden explosion caused by one of the devices. Crews at West Midlands Fire Service were first called to an incident in Tipton on November 30th after a man called 999 in response to one of the videos, only for firefighters to find out that it was fake. Then, on Sunday, Fire and Rescue Services took a call from a distressed mother who reported a house fire at her address. She was out at the time when her daughter sent her one of the videos. Crews were sent to the scene, fearing a sudden explosion and the potential for serious injuries. Other emergency service colleagues from the police and West Midlands Ambulance Service also sent blue light resources to help. Once crews arrived, they realised the incident wasn't real. Head of operations at one of the region's fire and rescue service, Jim Bywater, said... Hoax calls can create a great deal of disruption for emergency service colleagues across the UK. We know this particular incident wasn't targeted at the fire service, but we want to show how this can develop and become a serious cause of alarm. Please don't frighten your friends and family by doing this. It's second nature for them to call us if they see something like this and it can result in widespread disruption and potentially a lack of resources to attend an actual emergency. The new chief of West Midlands Police says he will give officers a bit more
3: teeth to crack down on crime as part of a return to neighbourhood policing. Chief Constable Craig Guilford said that under his watch, residents in the black country will see more bobbies on the beat and that local inspectors will be backed in the use of stop-and-search powers. He also vowed to improve the force's atrocious record on 999 calls, which has seen fewer than 4 in 10 emergency calls answered in the target time of 15 minutes. The 49-year-old, who spent five years as chief at Nottinghamshire Police, where he oversaw a falling crime rate, said he was relishing the size of the challenge at the country's second biggest force. He said he wanted West Midlands Police to build trust in communities by being there when we are needed and would empower local police leaders and officers to reduce crime. Mr Guildford said, We've got some more recruitment coming this year and I'm hopeful we will be back at the 8,000 officer number quickly. He said he was very much in favour of the intelligent use of stop and search, adding, I want to make sure that we are fully transparent in the use of those powers and that we are held to account publicly. Mr Guilford said his neighbourhood policing plan will see him examining the number of stations and police bases currently available to officers. He has pledged to retain experienced officers, but also wants to develop apprenticeships as a route into policing. I want to make sure the door is open for local people to come and work for the West Midlands Police as an employer of choice.
0: Up next, we hear from Helen, who of course has for us the Beacon Update.
4: Hi everyone it's Helen from Beacon back with your weekly update of all that's happening. As I record this I'm sat in front of my Christmas tree twinkling away and feeling lovely and festive. If you celebrate Christmas can I pass on my best festive wishes to you all and I really hope you enjoy the season over the next couple of weeks. So, it's been a busy week here at Beacon and I'm starting with news of one of our most special events of the year. It's recently been our forget-me-not service at Beacon to light up our Christmas tree in honour of all those gone but never forgotten. It's had extra meaning in 2022 as it is incredibly our 20th anniversary of coming together to remember loved ones. That's just wonderful, isn't it? It was a really beautiful evening made all the more special by a performance from the Wolframer Ladies Choir. We'd like to thank everyone who helped fill our tree with memories and. If you want to, it's not too late to remember someone on our virtual tree. Head to www.visufund, and that's V-I-S-U-F-U-N-D, visufund.com forward slash beacons hyphen virtual hyphen forget hyphen me hyphen not hyphen tree hyphen 2022. That's probably a bit of a mouthful to remember, isn't it? So alternatively, if you go to our website, www.beaconvision.com, Find our Christmas pages, you'll find a link there as well. Now, for something completely different, as they say, unfortunately, our Wolverhampton Clearing Centre shop has been closed recently after a really large fire in the area. Thankfully, no one was hurt, but the road closures are still in place and it's meant that we have been unable to access the shop. It's still closed when I'm recording this, but you can always ring us to get the latest update if you're desperate to hit our shop again. Our number is 01902. Two eight eight zero. One, one, one. Now, tis the season for some Christmas shopping. Have you started yours yet? Well, we'd like to thank everyone who has visited our Block Switch shop after it reopened following an extensive refurbishment. We have so enjoyed welcoming you back. If you'd like to pay a visit to Block Switch or any of our other shops, you can find their location on our website www.beaconvision.org forward slash shops. Now, last this week please don't throw away any of the stamps from christmas cards that you receive in the coming weeks we can use them to raise funds to support people impacted by sight loss you can drop them off in any of our shops or our Sedgley center and make a difference for people in your community thank you we'd so appreciate your support with it right that's it for this week i'll be back again soon bye
0: here's that update helen up now we our next block of local news And starting this one off, we first hear Christine.
1: A record number of domestic abuse offences were recorded in West Midlands last year, New Figures Show. It followed the trend across England and Wales, which saw the number of crimes logged by police forces rise for the sixth successive year. Anti-domestic violence charity Refuge said women and girls face an epidemic of violence and called on the government to prioritise bringing perpetrators to justice and protecting victims. Office for National Statistics figures show 66,011 domestic abuse-related crimes were recorded by West Midlands Police in the year to March up from 55,820 the year before, and the highest number since 2015-16, when comparable records began. Ruth Davidson, CEO of Refuge, said the figures show we are still facing an epidemic of violence against women and girls, which shows no sign of stopping. Survivors and women experiencing abuse cannot wait for change. Despite the rise in offences, the number of arrests and crimes referred to the Crown Prosecution Service has fallen across the country. Meanwhile, the number of referrals of domestic abuse suspects also fell. This is simply not good enough when women's lives are at risk, Ms Davison said. The figures restate the importance of refugees' calls for improved mandatory training for all criminal justice professionals so they recognise the seriousness of domestic abuse and can respond in an appropriate, trauma-informed way. Now is the time to prioritise bringing perpetrators to justice. The Home Office said domestic abuse is a devastating crime that ruins lives and it is fully supporting victims, survivors and their families. A spokesperson said more than £230 million is being invested to tackle rising domestic abuse offences with the Domestic Abuse Act further supporting victims. Of the funding, £3.3 million has been committed to training first responders to treat every case sensitively. A further fund to help support people fleeing abusive relationships has also been launched in the West Midlands by TSB. Let's head over to Ian who can tell us more. In partnership with domestic
3: abuse charities such as Women's Aid, TSB is launching a pilot scheme to allow domestic abuse victims to safely open and access a bank account in Wolverhampton without standard documentation. People will be able to get support payments of £50 to £500, depending on their need, paid into a TSB account that only the claimant can access. The amounts paid will be based on individual needs and will assist people with the cost of essentials such as travel, clothing and toiletries. People can request the support by visiting a TSB branch. The bank said branch staff have received specialist training in supporting people and are ready to assist victims within their communities experiencing domestic abuse. TSB also has a Safe Spaces initiative in place for anyone needing support and to sit safely and securely to visit. Farah Nazir, Chief Executive of Women's Aid, said Women's Aid welcomes the launch of TSB's Emergency Flea Fund, which addresses a vital need to help survivors escape abuse in this crisis period. The initiative comes days after it was revealed a record number of domestic abuse offences were recorded in West Midlands last year.
2: Leaders from across the political divide have come together to back an annual safeguarding campaign and help end gender-based violence across Wolverhampton. Conservative and Labour members have backed Orange Wolverhampton, which comes from the United Nations Orange the World campaign to tackle the major issue. It aims to help raise awareness of the drive to end gender-based violence, sexual violence, forced marriage, stalking and harassment and the support available to victims. Councillor Ian Brookfield, leader of Wolverhampton Council and the City's Labour Group, said The Orange Wolverhampton campaign is a vitally important way in which we can all highlight the issue of interpersonal violence and the help and support that is available to victims. These abhorrent crimes range from domestic and sexual abuse to forced marriage, so-called honour-based violence and stalking and harassment. We want people to be aware of these issues and to seek help, either for themselves or for a friend or for a relative who may be suffering at the hands of another. I would encourage everyone in our city to get involved and join us in helping to Orange Wolverhampton. Councillor Wendy Thompson, leader of the Conservative Group on the Wolverhampton Council, added The Conservative Group very much supports the Orange Wolverhampton campaign and we hope that everybody will take this opportunity to get involved and help stop violence against women and girls. This is a worldwide issue and it is important for us locally to get behind this really important campaign. The Orange Wolverhampton campaign is coordinated by Wolverhampton Safeguarding Together, the Safer Wolverhampton Partnership, Wolverhampton Voluntary and Community Action and the Council. For more information, visit the Orange Wolverhampton website at www.orangewolves.net.
0: People are being reminded that GP appointments are now available on evenings and weekends. The Enhanced Access Service provides patients with access to pre-bookable appointments between 6.30pm and 8pm Monday to Friday and between 9am and 5pm on Saturdays to ensure that people can get the right care when it is convenient for them. To book an appointment during these hours people should contact their GP practice by phone or visit their practice website. An appointment may be offered at their registered GP surgery or another location. Appointments will be delivered by multidisciplinary teams, including GPs, nurses and other healthcare professionals. There will be a choice of ways to access appointments depending on clinical need, including face-to-face and remote appointments, via telephone or online. Saab Barsi, Director of Primary Care for NHS Black Country Integrated Care Board, said, The NHS is focused on recovery services and tackling the COVID-19 backlogs, that inevitably built up over the pandemic. It's important that people know their GPs is open and here for them, so I would encourage anyone who needs help to come forward. However, this isn't a walk-in service, so if you need urgent medical advice after 6.30pm or at a weekend, please phone NHS 111 in the first instance. Now it's time to test your knowledge, as we have the quiz questions for this edition, and they're brought to us by
5: Mina. Hello and welcome to this week's Flashback Quiz. All the answers you need can be found later in Flashback Rogers' Did You Know feature. But for now, here are your questions. Here we go. Question one. Which location in Europe gives its name to the Sprout? Question two. What do carol singers demand at the end of their song? Question 3. Who ordered everyone to eat goose at Christmas? Question 4. Who wrote A Christmas Carol? Question 5. In what shape were mince pies originally made? And finally, question six. What did the film It's a Wonderful Life win its only Oscar for? I will be back with you later to share the answers, but for now, best of luck.
0: Just those questions, Mina. I'll get my mind working on those. Up now, however, it's another block of local news. Dudley's new
3: £24 pounds interchange has been delayed as council chiefs battle to thrash out deals for more than a quarter of the site. The scheme, which will see the 36-year-old bus station demolished and replaced with a new site linking bus and metro services, was granted full planning permission in September. Work had been expected to start this autumn, but it has yet to get underway. After it emerged, Dudley Council was struggling to secure the rights to around 27% of the site. The authority has now engaged compulsory purchase order powers in a bid to take control of 28 pockets of land in the area around Birmingham Street, Bourne Street, Fisher Street, St. Joseph Street and Trindle Road. Council leader Patrick Harley said he was confident the land would be secured quite quickly and that work to build the desperately needed new bus station was expected to start early next year. The scheme, which is backed by the West Midlands Combined Authority and Transport for West Midlands, is considered a key part of the town's regeneration plans. It comes after a plan for a new police superstation collapsed after the council failed to strike a deal with West Midlands Police for a site off Hall Street. Meanwhile, as Angela now reports, the completion of the Wensbury-Briley Hill metro line beyond Dudley remains in the balance due to a huge funding shortfall.
2: In a new report, Dudley Council said there was an extreme likelihood that the Wensbury-Briley Hill extension is under threat after bosses admitted they did not have the cash to finish the scheme. Bosses said there had been a significant increase in material and operational costs and difficulties in obtaining additional funding for the scheme, which was expected to cost £449 million when it was approved in 2019. The Express and Star revealed in July that the 6.8-mile route, which is set to pass through Dudley Town Centre, was in trouble after costs spiralled to £550 million. The rise led to council chiefs on the West Midlands Combined Authority voting to mothball the second phase of the route between Dudley and Briley Hill. Council chiefs and West Midlands Mayor Andy Street have vowed to complete the line, despite a funding shortfall of almost £300 million. Dudley Council leader Patrick Harley told the Express and Star, we are absolutely committed to building the Metro extension in full and we are currently working with the combined authority on this matter. There is quite a bit of money coming through for new transport schemes and there are things we are looking at. In particular, there is a report going to the board next month which outlines a potential funding route which hopefully will bridge the gap. Local leaders were hoping to draw in government funding to complete the scheme after it was backed by Liz Truss during her short time as Prime Minister. However, in the current financial climate, it is understood that ministers are highly unlikely to contribute further to a scheme that has already cost the public purse nearly £200 million. Work on Phase 1 of the route between Wensbury and Dudley is already underway. It is scheduled to open in 2024.
0: The happiest places to live in the Black Country in Staffordshire have been revealed in a new survey. Wright Moves Happy at Home index asked residents how they feel about where they live and received more than 21,000 responses. Locations are ranked based on factors such as where people feel there is a sense of belonging, the proximity of green spaces, local amenities or whether there is a community spirit. The survey found that the city of Lichfield was top across the Black Country in Staffordshire Although it was only 4th in the wider West Midlands region, where Leamington Spa was crowned the happiest place to live, with Stourbridge 9th, Wolverhampton 14th, and Dudley 17th. Tim Bannister, Wright Moves Director of Property Science, said the survey really shows that things that make people happy to live in their area are not so much the physical aspects of that area, but more the personal aspects, such as our sense of belonging, the community, and the people. He continued, The last few months have undoubtedly been difficult for many, and as we learnt during another difficult period in 2020, this is often when we look to our local area and community for support and happiness.
1: Data released by the Department of Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy has named Wolverhampton as the top entrepreneurial city in the UK in a recent nationwide survey the city of Wolverhampton was pinpointed as the most successful city with the highest growth in new small businesses, according to a survey of over 1,000 entrepreneurs. Last month, Wolverhampton was also recognised as the top location for bank start-up loans by the British Business Bank, with start-up businesses successfully drawing down 464 loans since 2012, worth £3.3 million. Deputy Leader and Cabinet Member for City Economy, Councillor Stephen Simkins, said, We are delighted to be named the top city in the UK for entrepreneurs and it's wonderful to note that a large proportion of startups choose to stay in their local city, which helps create local jobs in the longer term. We recognise that a lot of businesses are still experiencing extremely difficult times and we are constantly looking at ways we can support them and help them through the current economic crisis. Our small businesses deliver many different services and products across a range of business sectors, including manufacturing, construction, retail, professional service and digital. We are proud of our independent businesses and the creative local people behind them. They are businesses that help give Wolverhampton its own identity and character and have helped identify us as the best place to start your own business in the UK. He added, we want to continue to encourage startups into our city and back in July of this year, we officially opened Ignite, our free business workspace in partnership with the Black Country Chamber of Commerce and University of Wolverhampton. Ignite is an incredible resource and offers a range of business support for entrepreneurs, startups and SMEs. We wanted to join up the business support infrastructure with partners in the city and I would urge startups to make it their first port of call for advice and support on their business journey.
0: Up now, we hear from Pete. That was a piece all about video magnifiers and how they may be of benefit to you. If you're struggling with reading and need a magnifier, have you ever considered
6: a video magnifier or sometimes known as a digital magnifier? Well, we can have a range of video magnifiers that you can come in and try. Now, a video magnifier, you can increase or decrease the magnification so you can turn it up a bit or you can turn it up quite a lot to help you read. You can change contrast settings on a video magnifier. So you can look at something in true color or you could change the contrast to black on white or white on black or yellow on black or black on yellow. It's whatever works best for you. So there's a range of combinations there that you can try to find the right one. You can also freeze images on a video magnifier. So let's say there's um, something in your fridge, a piece of some food. You could take a little picture, because the angle's a bit difficult to read of it, and then bring the magnifier away and then zoom it up. So if it's something like the sell-by dates or ingredients on food, you can read it comfortably there. So video magnifiers range from small handheld magnifiers you can sit comfortably in an armchair to read with, up to medium-sized ones, which are about the size of laptops, and then there's desktop magnifiers with big, large 24-inch screens, which really make magnification strong. So, if you would like to try a video magnifier to see if that would help you, you're very welcome to just call Beacon's Sight Loss Advisors for an appointment. And remember, bring something you struggle to read with you. So, if you'd like to try a video magnifier, give us a call on 01902 880 and ask for a sight loss advisor. 01902
0: 880 You're listening to the Black Country Talking News. And now we have our final block of local news for this edition. A free cafe to help people in the Black Country socialise amid the cost of living crisis was officially launched last week. The Cozy Cafe is based at the DY1 Community Building in Stafford Street, Dudley, and will be open on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 4pm to 6pm over winter. Black Country Healthcare NHS Foundation Trust has teamed up with the advocacy charity Dudley Voices for Choice and Social Enterprise Lunch on the Run to launch the cafe. As well as providing a warm and welcoming space, the Cozy Cafe has created employment opportunities for people with learning disabilities and autism. They will be joined by volunteers who are giving their time to help make the Cozy Cafe a success. Wendy Ewins, Head of Commissioning and Case Management for Learning Disabilities and Autism at Black Country Healthcare NHS Foundation Trust said, Many people will be struggling as winter hits, so we wanted to create a place that could help to ease some of those difficulties for our communities. Not only is The Cozy Cafe offering much needed support, it is also creating paid work opportunities for our citizens who have learning disabilities or who are autistic. They face significant barriers to access and employment, so we hope this opportunity will give them experience and confidence for the future. It is great to work with our partners in Dudley to create The Cozy Cafe, And I want to thank the volunteers who have donated their time to help.
1: The unmistakable sound of Christmas songs being played by a big band in the black country will get even the biggest Grinch in the festive spirit. The Steve King Big Band is holding its annual Christmas concert at Benjamin's Banqueting Suite, Hales Owen, on Sunday, December 18th. Crowning the end of the band's 50th anniversary year, the concert will be one of Hales Owen's 2022 musical highlights. Steve said, What a rollercoaster of a ride our 50th anniversary year was. Thank you to all who booked us and all who came along and supported us. For our Christmas spectacular, we're back at Benjamin's Banqueting Suite in Owen with a great big band take on the holiday season, so we hope you'll join us and get in the mood for the big day. He added, The band can't promise 12 drummers drumming or 11 pipers piping, but... We will have 10 flutes, 7 saxes, 6 clarinets, 6 trumpets, 5 horns, 4 piccolos, 4 trombones, 2 euphoniums, 2 keyboards, 1 tuba, 1 guitar, 2 basses, 1 drum kit, a whole host of percussion and 1 fab vocalist to entertain you with our annual Christmas show. The concert starts at 8pm on Sunday, December 18th at Benjamin's Banqueting Suite, Birmingham Street, Houser Inn. Tickets are £10 on the door. A
3: picturesque bridge near to Stowbridge has been voted the nation's second most scenic waterside setting in the largest study of the UK's waterside spaces ever conducted. Thousands of images of landscapes featuring canals or rivers were uploaded and assessed to identify and investigate what elements create scenes of everyday beauty. More than 5,000 images were submitted by members of the public through the Canal and Rivers Trust Rate This Scene initiative this year. The Whittington Horse Bridge image, set along the Staffordshire and Worcestershire Canal, featured the bridge itself on a summer's day, with grand trees arching over the gently rippling canal to provide a stunning canopy of green. The project was backed by a number of celebrities, including Grayson Perry, who put forward a body of his own photographs of his favourite waterside scenes to help launch the 2022 phase.
2: Singing fishmonger John Perry has his sights set on next year's Eurovision Song Contest after teaming up with his long-lost cousin who has previous experience of the competition. John and his cousin Roy Bishop were both brought up in the Penn area of Wolverhampton and were finally reunited last month when they met for the first time in 60 years. Born into the Perry's Fish dynasty, their family owned a well-known Wolverhampton-based chain of fishmongers, which also supplied wet fish to a large number of fish shops from Bilston to All Brighton. Roy, who adopted the stage name Roy Silver, was the lead singer in a group called Roy Silver and the Vampires, performing in the early 1960s when Beatlemania was at its height. John went on to join a band called The Vibe, with which he still performs gigs around the Midlands. The pair lost touch, with Roy moving to Cork in the early 1970s. While living in Ireland, Roy became the manager of singer Cathal Dunn, with EMI awarding Dunn a recording contract at the Abbey Road Studios in London. A highlight came when Dunn represented Ireland in the 1979 Eurovision Song Contest with the song Happy Man, which came fifth in the final. Roy and his wife Carol returned to England in the early 1980s, regularly visiting the West Midlands to watch Wolverhampton Wanderers play at the Molyneux with his friend, well-known butcher Arthur Cackett. He had always wondered what became of his cousin, and in February this year, John’s band The Vibe, features in the Express and Star. Arthur mentioned to Roy that there was also a Perry's fish stall at Lee's Farm in Claverley, and when he visited, he asked John's wife, Jill, if she was part of the Perry fish family. Roy got in touch, and as they rekindled their friendship, the conversations turned to music. Roy provided his cousin with the words to a song called Gabriella, which he had written in 1977, but never got round to setting to music. John wrote a melody and recorded the song, which can now be heard on YouTube and Spotify under his recording name, The Grundigs. Roy and John finally met up last month for the first time in 60 years when Roy visited John at his home in Chesterton near Bridge North. We had an enormous amount of things to discuss about our family, said John, who's now 67. It was a wonderful occasion. We hadn't seen one another since 1962 when I was seven. John, who now travels the Wolverhampton, Shropshire and Dudley areas as a door-to-door fish seller, showed Roy his recording studio and musical equipment. Roy has now provided the words to another song called Julia, which John will put to music and record with his band. Roy adds, We hope it creates a lot of interest so it can be adopted as the song that represents the UK at the next Eurovision Song Contest in May at
0: Liverpool in 2023. Up now, it's Trivia Time brought to us by Flashback Roger and his Did You Know feature.
7: again everyone. I must say that everywhere is looking really festive this year. What with the Christmas music in all the shops getting us in the mood for the holiday. But as usual for me anyway, my thoughts drift off towards the food. Now then, did you know that? Brussels sprouts are really named after Brussels, the capital of Belgium, where they were a popular 16th century crop. In fact, one eighty gram serving of these healthy veggies delivers four times more vitamin C than an orange and recent reports hint in upcoming scientific evidence that the small veggies actually can give a big boost to the libido. Ooh, uh. And figgy pudding is often associated with the original traditions of Christmas and is most notably referred to in the Christmas carol where it's demanded by carol singers at the end of their song. Figgy pudding, though, is not plum pudding. Although it can be considered as a precursor to it, it's not as rich nor as complex in its recipe. And the tradition of roast goose at Christmas is centuries old. In 1588, Queen Elizabeth I of England ordered everyone to have roast goose for their Christmas meal, because it was what she'd been eating when the news of the English victory over the Spanish Armada reached her. Goose then became the traditional Christmas dish in England. And Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol was inspired following his visit to the Field Lane Ragged School, one of several establishments for London street children. The Christmas carol has never been out of print, and has been translated into several languages, and the story has been adapted many times for film, stage, opera and other media. And the humble mince pie as it is today is of English origin, filled with mincemeat being a mixture of fruit, spices and suet. The pies are traditionally served during the Christmas season in much of the English-speaking world. Its ingredients are traceable to the 13th century. mince pies at Christmastide were originally shaped in an oblong shape to resemble a manger. <coughs> and what's Christmas without the traditional Christmas movies? There's such a lot these days, more and more each year. But there are always the old favourites that I for one never seem to tire of seeing again. For me, I think that I'll always love any one of the versions of A Christmas Carol, even The Muppets one, and of course It's A Wonderful Life which only won one Oscar, and that was for the very realistic snow. (whistles) Well, there you go, then, for another few things to digest along with your usual seasonal grub. Any road up, I'm off, and do my last bit of Christmas shopping before the real crowds descend. Till next week, then, I'll say bye for now. ta ra Ta-ra.
0: Up now? We have to hear what the weather has in store for us. But to us, as always...
5: The weather for this week ahead will be unsettled with light rain and sunny intervals and temperatures cold at a degree or two above freezing. But it is forecast to return to seven degrees by the end of the week, which will be something much more like it for this time of the year. UV levels are expected to be low. The sunrise and sunset times are eight fifteen a m for the sunrise, fifteen fifty five p m for the sunset. For Friday sixteenth of December there will be sunny intervals and light winds with temperatures still struggling to get above freezing. Moving on to the weekend, on Saturday 17th of December we have light cloud and a gentle breeze with temperatures still hovering just above freezing. Overnight temperatures may continue to dip with a touch of frost in places. On Sunday 18th of December there's a chance of some light rain with a moderate breeze but we should start to notice things picking up a little with a maximum temperature of 6 degrees and feeling much milder overnight. Moving into next week and temperatures will continue to pick up with a chance of reaching double figures and 10 degrees on Monday 19th. It will remain unsettled with light rain and a gentle moderate breeze. For Tuesday 20th of December, light rain should clear by the afternoon and gentle breeze with the low temperatures to reach maximum of 7 degrees. It should be the driest day of the week on Wednesday with light cloud and a gentle breeze with a maximum temperature of 7 degrees and finally for thursday 22nd of december it's forecast for the rain to return light drizzle in places and a gentle breeze with a maximum temperature of 7 degrees so that's your forecast for this week as always enjoy the weather cheers for that weather update mina up now, it's time to find out
0: how our local football teams have been getting on Hugo Bueno's
3: stunning first-half strike gave Wolves a hard-earned 1-1 draw with Italian opponents Empoli in a behind-closed-doors training match in Marbella. Yulin Lopetegui picked a strong starting eleven with João Moutinho taking the captain's armband. Adama Traore looked the most threatening player on the pitch and was unlucky not to get on the end of an excellent Bueno cross. Wolves were dominant in possession and were rewarded when Hugo Bueno unleashed a stunning left-footed strike from the edge of the box into the bottom corner. The second half saw a plethora of changes from both sides, including Raul Jimenez, fresh from Mexico's World Cup exit, being introduced on the hour. His first appearance in a Wolves shirt since the 0-0 draw with Bournemouth back in August. But it was Empoli who looked the more threatening and got a deserved equaliser through Sam Lammers. Boubacar Traoré's loan at Wolves is said to be made permanent. It is understood that the £9.5 million deal is said to be triggered on his appearances in a Wolves shirt. The number of appearances needed is understood to be very low and it is a matter of when and not if Traoré signs permanently. The midfielder has already played nine games for Wolves and with the second half of the season to come it is expected to be a formality that he stays with the club. No decision has been made on Raul Jimenez's future despite reports linking him with a move away from Wolves in January. The 31-year-old joined up with the squad in Spain after Mexico were knocked out of the World Cup. Reports have suggested that new head coach Yulen Lopetegui has already made Jimenez available for a transfer in January. However, it is understood that this is wide of the mark. Wolves and Lopetegui are yet to make a decision, with the new boss eager to work with him in the coming weeks to assess his options. Meanwhile, after a short break visiting family in South Korea, Hwang Hee-chan has also joined up with his Wolves teammates in Spain. His late winner against Portugal sent South Korea through to the last 16 of the World Cup, but a 4-1 loss to Brazil last week saw them get knocked out. Some sad news to begin with from the Hawthorns. Albion doctor Julian Widowson has died aged 63, the club have confirmed. Widowson, who joined the Baggies in 2018, was a popular and respected member of staff at the Hawthorns. Albion will honour his passing by wearing black armbands and with a minute's applause ahead of Saturday's home game against Rotherham. Widowson, known as Jules, was lead doctor for Albion's first team and academy. A club statement read, West Bromwich Albion is shocked and saddened to learn of the sudden passing of club doctor Julian Widowson. The thoughts of all at the Hawthorns are with everyone affected by his passing and the club sends its home. Heartfelt condolences to Jules's wife, Celia, and the Widowson family at this desperately sad time. West Bromwich Albion is looking to enhance its Walsall-based training ground with much-needed new facilities. Representatives said the improvements will support the local economy as well as the development of their coaching and training. It is believed the club have now submitted a revised plan, a decision for which is expected to be made in January next year. Kyle Bartley triggers West Brom contract extension. Defender Kyle Bartley has triggered a one-year extension on his Albion contract, which sees his deal at the club run until the summer of 2024. The 12-month extension has been confirmed as the experienced centre-back, 31, hit an appearance-related clause in his current contract. Bartley's existing deal, signed in the summer of 2021, will now run until 2024. And finally... Amidst the heartbreak of England's quarter-final exit from the World Cup in Qatar after an agonising 2-1 defeat to reigning champions France, black country-born Jude Bellingham has been lauded as a future England captain. Footage released after the defeat shows the 19-year-old Stourbridge-born midfielder, whose starring performances have cemented him as a fan's favourite during the competition, sprinting over to console and comfort Harry Kane following the England captain's late penalty miss. Bellingham's immediate support for Kane was well received by fans and football pundits alike, with some describing it as way beyond his years, and others as the future of the side, a future captain. Many even believing that Bellingham's maturity and mentality puts him on the cusp of assuming the legacy of the late, great Duncan Edwards. Born less than three miles down the road in Briley Hill, the former Manchester United and England midfielder died aged just 21 after the Munich air disaster in 1958, yet is still considered one of the greatest footballers the country has ever produced. With the world's elite clubs such as Paris Saint-Germain revealing last week that they have now set their sights on one of the best players in the tournament in Bellingham, it's fair to say that Jude, shining on a global scale, has well and truly stamped Stourbridge and the black country on the map, Boston 8.
0: Have you done any good at the quiz this week? Well, now's the time to find out, as we have the quiz answers.
5: Hello, and here are your answers for this week's flashback quiz. Feeling confident? How will you score? Well, let's see. Question one. Which location in Europe gives its name to the Sprout? And the answer, of course, is Brussels. Question two. What do carol singers demand at the end of their song? And the answer here is Figgy Pudding. Question three. Who ordered everyone to eat goose at Christmas? And the answer here is Queen Elizabeth I. Question four. Who wrote A Christmas Carol? And the answer is Charles Dickens. Question five. In what shape were mince pies originally made? And the answer is oblong like a manger. Question six. What did the film It's a Wonderful Life win its only Oscar for? And the answer, it's realistic snow. So, how did you get on? Did you get them all right? If not, not to worry, as I will be back next week to test you once again with our final flashback quiz of the year. Bye for now.
0: Thanks for that, Mina. Now, up next is an article about our winter birds. The winter months are a good time to discover birds visiting the UK as a part of their annual migration. Many species look for safety in numbers, but nature correspondent Rupert Evershed finds that some flocks contain a few surprises.
8: TNF Soundings. Features from across the UK.
9: Spot the difference. As November brings us to the door of winter in the Northern Hemisphere, so the birds that have left us and migrated south are now knocking on the door of spring in the Southern Hemisphere. The great seasonal cycle is complete again, and while our woods may have fallen silent, our lakes and fields have come alive with flocks of new arrivals. Wild fowl and gulls vie for space at the lake, while out in the fields a host of smaller birds, skylarks, meadow pipits, finches, linnets and yellowhammers make the most of the grass seed-heads and crop remnants. Unlike the secretive and often solitary tactics employed by birds during the summer breeding season, the strategy is altogether different in winter. The camouflage of leaves and crops disappears as wind blows and fields are ploughed leaving wildlife out in the open. For many birds this means that shelter and safety must now be found in numbers and so we are treated throughout the winter months to flocks of birds sometimes in spectacular formation crossing our skies flying into roost or feeding in the fields. While many of us have probably enjoyed the extraordinary twisting formations of starling murmurations, or the V-shaped skeins of geese and gulls, how many of us have paused long enough to examine flocks of birds in detail? Now is a great time of year to do this, and while it is tempting to dismiss flocks of gulls as just seagulls, or wildfowl as simply ducks, there are rewards to be had for taking the time to sift through a flock more closely. Hidden amongst the more common species can be some of our lesser known birds, and it takes time and perseverance to find them, not least because these rarer individuals are often superficially similar to the rest of the flock. I came across one such flock whilst out walking recently, a flock of chaffinches feeding along the edge of a ploughed field. Watching them for a while, it became apparent that I was really only watching half the flock, as there was a constant toing and froing from field to hedge by the birds, such that at any one time half the flock fed in the field, while the other half sat hidden in the bushes. Out of habit, I began to check through the flock, briefly examining each chaffinch in turn, admiring the colourful pinks and greys of the male birds, and the subtler browner tones of the females contrasting with their white wing-bars. Subconsciously I was searching for the different bird and on this occasion it wasn't long before I found it, a brambling. Rather than the pinky grey hues of the chaffinches, the brambling is altogether more orange and brown, with noticeable orange shoulder feathers and a bright white belly and rump. Towards the end of winter you may even see male bramblings developing the striking black head of their summer plumage. Once caught in the binoculars the brambling is clearly a different species but as part of the flock it would easily go unnoticed as just another chaffinch. The immediate thrill that tingled down my spine reminded me that that latent hunting instinct is still alive and well in me and that it continues to fuel my enjoyment of wildlife watching. The appearance of the unusual or rare amidst the everyday never fails to delight. It is not just the different plumage of the bird, but the fact that it is out of the ordinary, and with that comes echoes of the wild, and places less familiar to us. While the chaffinch is our second commonest breeding bird and resident all the year round, the brambling visits our shores in winter, travelling down through the continent from Scandinavia. You are most likely to encounter this bird like I did in small numbers as part of a bigger chaffinch flock, usually in close proximity to its favourite food, beech mast. If you are lucky and have a bird feeder full of seeds, you might even find one visiting your garden this winter.
8: TNS soundings.